Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is with Seth Hirsch, a former college runner at Wisconsin and Colorado. We go all the way back and discuss his early successes in running and where that would ultimately lead him. We also discuss being a college athlete without races to run in, why biking has entered the picture recently, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Seth Hirsch. Seth Hirsch, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thank you. So I start the podcast by asking the guest about how the most recent run was. I, I checked Strava. It doesn't look like you got out for one today, but you had one yesterday. How was the most recent run that you had? It was good. Yeah. I mean, I just did like a easy 10 miles. So right now I'm only running every other day because I just started biking quite a bit. So um, yeah, I mean, it was good. Just a, just a nice, easy day. So nothing crazy. <laughs> I, I, w- I planned on asking you about the biking. L- l- why? Why? Why so much biking? It seems like you've really thrown yourself into it. Yeah. So, so I've had quite a few stress fractures throughout my career. Um, I think I've had twelve, which is you know, yeah, brutal. Uh, I got my first one in seventh grade, and then had quite a few early on in college um, at Wisconsin, and I really didn't run for two years, and then finally, kind of was healthy for like two or three years. And, um, then this spring, so I was doing my six year here out in Boulder at Colorado. And, um, it was the week before Stanford, our first outdoor track meet and I got a femur stress fracture. And so I kind of just started biking as cross training, which I had done multiple times before. I mean, usually I start with the bike and then kind of slowly go to the elliptical. Um, and then I just, yeah, I I, uh, I have a roommate who works at a bike shop, and we did some like Strava segments on the bike out here, and um, I was just picking it up pretty quickly, and so I was like, well, might as well, might as well try biking for a little while, see where it goes. And it seems like you're really digging it so far. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's it's definitely a lot different than running, you know. I mean, it's a little, it's it's a little simpler in that it's more just kind of like weight and watts are really the only thing you have to track. There's no like, you know, biomechanical efficiency because everyone's doing the same pedal stroke, which I like. Um, but also, it takes a lot more time, you know, to get really good on the bike. You got to put in more hours, and then you also just getting the bike set up. You know, you're gonna have a flat here and there. You're gonna crash here and there. So that stuff I don't enjoy as much, but <laughs> we're used to it. Good, good, good. Let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. Um, with you and, and running. So uh, a, a mutual friend of ours set, set this interview up. And when he did so, he sent me an article um, from September of 2012 in the Omaha World Herald. Uh, you finished 10th overall in the Corporate Cup, which was a or is a 10K race. You beat nearly 4,000 runners that day. Uh, you ran it in 33.50, which is under a five and a half uh, average per mile. Uh, you were also 13 years old. I mean... Well, it's, it's crazy. You smiled as I brought it up. I imagine you're asked about it a lot. Like when you think back to that, that race, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Just crazy. I mean, <laughs> it was like, that was, yeah, that whole setup. Cause it's actually Mr. Hug who, um, I call him Mr. Hug cause he's my teacher and it's weird to call him Scott. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I call him Mr. Hug and he, he was kind of the guy who was like, yo, you should run the corporate cup. I'm doing it this, you know, in a few weeks or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure. It looked cool. So I, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, but yeah, after that, you know, there was, it was just a really cool experience. Like I got to go on a couple of news channels, um, like a couple of film crews show up at the house. And, um, I remember like the next day at school, like my principal came in with the newspaper and was like giving me a copy. It was just, it was crazy, but it was definitely like, it was, it was a cool experience for sure. So you are the, you're the 13th guest on this podcast. And, and I've talked to a lot of uh, people now, a dozen people before you. And, and in all of those, there's kind of that moment, uh, especially of, of runners who have ran in college like you have. It's like, hey, did you, did you have something where you realized you were good? Like, I realized that I was good on a, the much lower level when I could like last the longest in those like endurance competitions in school in like fourth or fifth grade. I mean, you're finishing at such a high level as a 13 year old. How far back does your running journey begin? And and I, I have to imagine that, that someone at some point was like, wow, you're pretty good at this, Seth. Maybe this is something that you should keep doing. Yeah. So that would have been seventh grade when I did the corporate cup. Um, I want to say I'm not for sure, but I'd say probably around fourth or fifth grade is when I got into it. And that's just because, 
my sister ran for a local club called Omaha Racers. Um, not even sure if they're still around, but um, I was always big into soccer. And I think just like a couple nights a week when I was free, I would just start showing up to practice with her. I wasn't like actually on the team. Um, and then it was from there where like uh, the coach would be like, you know, this kid has never run before. Let's get him like a really easy workout. And then like I kind of just gradually, gradually got into it. And then I'd say the first like race I think was just like a 1500 meter probably when I was 10 years old. Um, and I did really well in that. And that's kind of when I was like, well, I might as well, might as well try as hard at this sport as I can. So was running fun for you because it was fun or was running fun for you because you were good? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably at first, just cause I was good. Um, I'd say, yeah, just like competitive part of it and winning's obviously fun. Yep. But I'd say probably as I got older, I honestly enjoy it more just for like, you know, it's just, it's just great for the mind and it's great for the body, like just in terms of health. But back then, yeah, I wasn't as focused on health as I was on like just being competitive, you know? Sure. Yeah. I think that we can all relate to that, you know, whether it's us as adults now or us as kids. I, I think the thing that stood out to me, you know, in reading that story from the World Herald was it mentions like how early you're waking up. And I mean, I was someone well, well into college and even past college where I'd readily or I'd happily sleep in until noon on, on a Saturday or a Sunday. What, what, what was that like for you? I have to imagine that you were an outlier among some of your friends waking up as early as you did to get some of those runs in. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just like, I, I think I kind of started on a schedule and I kind of like built a, a plan and then I just, the, I guess the longer I followed it, like the more, the harder it was to not do it. Sure. And after a certain point, I'd be more out of whack if I didn't run at five thirty in the morning, as opposed to if I did, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think about that a lot because I don't really know why, like some days I'm like, why was I like, I was a crazy kid looking back, you know? And I mean, it's just, I never like, I never really pinned down why I was like that, but I think it was probably just like, the biggest thing is just routine. Um, I don't think a ton of my friends even knew that I was waking up that early. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I wasn't going around being like, oh, I ran 10 miles this morning, you know, like I just kind of did it. So like, I, I have to imagine that, cause I wanted to ask you, like, do you feel like you had a normal childhood but I mean, that was just your normal was waking up early and, and running all the time and, and doing those things. And then you, you mentioned your sister as well. I have to imagine that that it just made it seem normal for you. Or was that even something that you thought about? No, I definitely thought about that because I mean, my sister wouldn't wake up in the morning and run. She would be more just, you know, go to practice in the afternoon. Um, no, when I look back to like middle school years, yeah, I definitely wasn't a normal child. I realized that. But as soon as I got to high school and actually like joined the cross country team, and had, you know, a whole team of runners around me who were kind of, you know, thought more similar to the way I thought. And we had practice at six every morning, you know, in the summer, then it became more normal. And I was like this, then I really was like, oh yeah, these are my friends. You know, these, these are the people I'm going to get along with for the next four or five years for sure. Absolutely. What, what was that like for you? Um, just like entering into that with, with people that you could run with. I, I talk so often about the running community and it means something different. It seems to everybody. What, what did it mean for you as you kind of felt found some like-minded folks that were your age that were invested in doing those similar things that you were? It was awesome. I mean, we, I remember freshman year of high school, we had a, we had a solid team. Um, we had a couple of really good seniors on the team and obviously just being the young guy is exciting because it's just, everything's new. And like, I mean that, I guess the summer after that you learn like, or you get to start driving and it's just like, <laughs> there's so much like just so much excitement. Um, but no, those are, that was probably like the best, one of the best years of my life. Just, you know, we'd have 10 guys, 15 guys run at six in the morning. We'd all go to one of my buddies pools for the day, hang out at his house. And then we'd all double in the afternoon and just, you know, get into trouble and just running then was just like, it's just, we were there more to hang out than to run, but we knew we had to run too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, uh, I've done play by play on a, a lot of sporting events over the years and I, I mainly do basketball and soccer. And so, you know, when I'm, when I'm putting my charts together, I'm looking at bios and, and I'll see what the, the athletes have done in, in college. But, but I, I then see like, Hey, where did they come from in high school? And I try to find any factoids. I have to say that yours is up there um, in terms of longest bios 
that I've ever seen on a website before. Cause it, it's not just what you were doing at Millard West, but it was also the competitions that you were competing in nationally. I, I, I just cannot imagine thinking of how immature I was at that age, how I would have handled all that. What, what was that like as you were, as you were living that life where you're competing locally and you're winning races where you're competing nationally and you're placing very high. It was definitely interesting. Cause it all is like, you take such small steps that like, I feel like by the time I, you're never like, like really shocking. I was never like shocking myself. Um, in high school, I'd say the first time I went to like a national meet, which was Foot Locker back then, um, that was really exciting. But after I did it and like then I came back the next year, then it was kind of just routine again. Um, and I feel like you just take so many like small steps. Then you go college and then it's like you're always kind of thinking about the next thing. Um, yeah, if I'm being honest, it never like was really like this huge like, oh, my goodness, what am I doing moment, you know? <laughs> Yeah. What, what was, how did you take to coaching? Um, and I wonder what the relationship was like as you are having this success and your dream. And I imagine big dreams as you're trying to figure out what's the best for me and what's the best for the team. And do I need to do extra work on the side? How did, how did that process go? Yeah. So that was definitely different from high school to college. Um, in high school, just cause you know, the majority of high schoolers are running less. It was more, I had a little more freedom to kind of do what I wanted on the side. Um, and I had, I, I had multiple great coaches. I had coach Kurz for the first two years of high school and then coach Johnson for the next two. And they kind of had similar like training philosophies. So that made an easy switch. But then when I got to college, it was definitely different because, you know, in high school I could outwork people and just, you know, run more in college. Everyone's running, you know, 85, 110 miles a week. And so it's not the same. And I had to kind of go through like a totally, I was five, I want to say I was five, six when I graduated high school. And then I was six foot by the end of my sophomore year of college. So I had to kind of like retrain my body and everything that worked for me in high school didn't necessarily work for me in college. It was, you know, easy days had to be easier, things like that. And yeah, I'd say at the beginning of college, me and my coach, you know, it was, there was definitely some conflict there because we couldn't figure it out. And sometimes, you know, I would get like, try to do my own thing and it didn't work. And sometimes he would tell me to do things that didn't work. And there was just a lot of frustration. But um, yeah, I'm glad I stuck around because by the time my junior year came around, it started to smooth out a little bit. Um, and it was, it was a good last two, three years there. And then coming to Colorado, I'd say was even more kind of, um, obviously Coach Wetmore here is a really popular coach in the running world. Yeah. And he is kind of kind of similar to the coach at Wisconsin in that, you know, they're going to give you strict things to do, but they'll also give you some flexibility um, in that, like, here at Colorado and at Wisconsin, mileage to a certain extent was up to me. I was making my own decisions on doubles and that, but obviously the workouts, you know, you're doing exactly what the coach says. The long runs, you're doing exactly what the coach says. But everything in between, you know, those other – I guess the majority of your mileage, but all the easy days were pretty flexible on our part. So one more reference to the World Herald article, and, and I want to give credit to Josie Loza, uh, who wrote this back in 2012. I mean, you're dreaming some really big dreams in this story as a 13-year-old, and you're talking about the future. So I imagine college was you know, on your radar at a very young age. Um, at what point in, in either middle or high school, does that really start becoming something serious where, you know, you're having conversations where coaches are reaching out to you? When, when did that happen for you in your life? Yeah. So that would have really started junior year, um, junior year, right after cross country season. I think it's, that's when you start getting like letters from coaches, um, emails, and they can contact you. I think that's changed in the past couple of years. I think they can do it earlier. Earlier. Now. Yeah. Um, but I do remember getting one letter my freshman year from UCLA. And that was, I guess, one of the few like shocking, shocking moments because I was like 14 in high school. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not graduating for three years, but they just, it was just a nice letter. I don't, it was, yeah, it was cool. And, uh, but then I didn't really receive, like I wasn't talking to coaches until junior year. So when you get to that point, then junior into senior year, like, do you have, um, like dates in your mind of like, all right, I want to whittle it down to this many schools by this time. I want to do this. You know, like I, I follow college football uh, on my radio show. And so we obviously talk a lot about recruiting and there's kind of those benchmarks, right? Of like, Hey, here's my top 20. Here's my top 10. Here's my top five. What was that process like for you? Yeah. I'd say kind of similar to what you just said, but 
the whole junior year, you're just kind of starting to talk to coaches and you're getting all the letters. And that's like the excitement because, you know, it's just, it's you. a great feeling. <laughs> yeah. But then as the, I'd say the summer before your seniors, senior year starts, you're like, oh man, I actually am going to have to choose a school. Like this is going to have to happen. And so then it's really comes down to, I, back then you got five official visits. Um, so I just w- put it down to five schools and then I guess you don't really know until, I mean, the visits are so important because that's when you actually meet the team and you see how you'll be living. And so I didn't really like really, really try to make a decision until I got all five visits done. Um, or I guess four, I didn't end up taking my last visit. And then it's, and then it's just a pretty quick decision. Cause I feel like most of the time there's definitely one school or one situation that's just like a little bit better than the rest. And that was, yeah, that was Wisconsin. So what were you, when you're going through these, to these visits, going through this process, what are you wanting? Like, what, what are you hoping to gather from a university, from a coach, from future potential teammates? Like, what are you looking for when you take those four official visits and where did you go? Yeah. So, so I took four officials to Wisconsin, uh, Furman, which is a small school in South Carolina. And then I took a visit to Georgetown, Stanford, um, I guess the main things I was looking for were definitely the team, just like a cool group of guys that I could get along with. Um, I did want like a, a fairly strong academic school, even though I didn't really know what major I wanted at the time. Um, and then really just like the training philosophy was big for me, the coach and the, you know, how I get along with the coach and kind of his or her training philosophy. Um, those are the main things, but also just like the town itself, I mean, I want to be somewhere where I remember in the process, like a lot of people were like, go somewhere where if you get injured, you'll still be happy. And I don't know if I fully like made my decision that way, but looking back, it was definitely the like correct answer to that question. Interesting. So why, so why Wisconsin then? Yeah. So I don't, have you ever been to Madison? I've been there one time. Okay. Um, yeah. For a football weekend. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Camp Randall, just the Isthmus the restaurants, just the whole vibe is, was just like awesome. I mean, I, I, I've always loved like Midwest people and it's kind of like a funky city for being in the Midwest. You know, it doesn't really feel like in the Midwest, but it's still Midwest people. Um, so that was, that was a big reason. And then, uh, the coach there, Mick, I just got along with a ton. He, he was from Ireland and he was Mm -hmm. a great guy and I'm still pretty close with him today. And then the team, it was, it was a really cool mix of, I'd say primarily Midwest guys. So like Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and then internationals, which was, it was a cool mix. So we had a lot of, a lot of British kids, a lot of Australians, and then a lot of Midwest kids. And yeah, it was just a great team. Very cool. You mentioned uh, one of the things that you were looking at was, or considering was training philosophy. So I wonder like, what were you, what were you hoping to what kind of training philosophy did you want? What what kind of stuff were you interested in? It, it, you know, I talked to a lot of people who were just like, I just want to chase mileage. Like, is, was that was that the thing that you wanted to do? What were you looking to do? Yeah, I'd say I was more interested in like the quality of mileage than the amount. Um, I came from like a really big strength background, so my I did not have much speed at all in high school. Like, really, about as slow as you can get for being able to make it in terms of like. Raw 400 speed, I think I broke 60 once in high school. As some of the guys that I was obviously with in college were 50, 51 flat guys who are distance runners. Um, so, which I guess looking back, maybe I should have been more focused on a place where they work on speed. <laughs> but no, I wanted like where I guess easy days were the least easy. And um, long runs, a big thing for me was like quality, hard long runs where you're running, you know, just above threshold pace. Um, but other than that, I mean, I guess in the NCAA, most teams are on a similar, like the differences in training are so slight other than a few schools that it wasn't crazy hard decision, but, um, yeah, just like just quality of mileage, I think was a big thing for me. You mentioned earlier uh, something that I've heard from athletes in every every sport that I've ever covered, and it's so cool to hear it from a runner. Um, just like when you're in high school, you can kind of get by on effort or talent or just outworking people. I mean, I don't know <clears throat> how many stories I've heard over the years of like this defensive lineman destroyed the offensive line because he is the best player locally. And then you get into college and it's like, oh, everybody is this way. You went through a similar process. 
What was that like mentally for you as you go from, you know, one of the best in the state of Nebraska to now you're going to a university where everyone is like that and you're competing against other athletes at other universities who are the exact same way? Yeah, it was it was definitely tough at first. Um, I mean, even like so for varsity cross country, we could only race seven. And as the season went on, you start to realize like, geez, the ninth and tenth guy on my team are like state champs from other states, you know, and it's like you kind of would realize the caliber of, of athletes that you're just surrounded by every day. Um, and the margin of, you know, the margin between athletes gets so small um, as opposed to high school where I think in high school, I kind of thought I was good cause I trained really hard. Um, but I actually remember on my Stanford visit, uh, coach Mel at the time, who's now in North Carolina, she said he would want to like kind of teach me that, you know, maybe it, I don't always have to train so hard that it could be some talent and that, you know, sometimes I need a rest. And I remember that a lot because then when I got to college, I think initially I still felt like I had to out train people, but you know, when you're out training people who are around hundred miles a week, you're walking a fine line and I got injured for two years as opposed to at some point, like confidence can't just come from training. You have to be confident in your, you know, just your ability in itself. And I didn't really get that till junior year, but that was a big, like, changing point for me when I was, you know, if I, I don't have to run faster than everyone else in workouts or run more reps or do more mileage at a certain extent, like, you know, you're tearing down your body and it's got to recover. And if it's not recovering, you're never going to be at as good as you can be. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you deal with that, with the injuries? And like, is that something that you had had to deal with in, in high school? Because, you know, I often think about just like, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had any bad things happen to me over the last few years, what that would do to me mentally if I'm unable to run. You're you're unable to run. You're also unable to compete. You're redshirting. Like, how, what was that process like? And again, to, to ask the question again, was that something that you had dealt with in high school? Yeah, I definitely dealt with it in high school my junior year. I didn't really run much at all junior year high school. Um, and that was definitely tough. And then getting to college, I think freshman year, Initially, it was tough, but I've always been someone who like enjoyed cross training. Honestly, as long as I'm like, you know, punishing my body in some way, it's like. (laughs) But then the competitions were tough. But I think freshman year, I was like, it's all good. I can redshirt. You know, I'm just gonna kind of like enjoy this. Sophomore year, when I got injured again, I started getting a little antsy. I'm like, oh man, if I'm wasting, as soon as you start wasting that first season, and you know you're not getting that season back, that's when it hits, and you're like. Oh, I got it. Like, I got to get my shit together and start, you know, I got to stay healthy or else I'm, I'm, I'm not helping the team at all. I'm on scholarship. Like, and that was when, you know, the, the conversations with the coach get much more intense because at the end of the day, it is a business. And if you're on money and you're not contributing to the team's success, it, it's, it doesn't feel good. Sure. And then yeah. you have the, they're recruiting, you know, future classes. So it's not, it's not like you're just on this roster and you're taking up a spot that you feel you're like, Oh wait, but there's another guy behind me and another guy behind me. And it's like, it's just a, a cycle of, you know, you, you got to find the best runners out there. hundred percent. Yeah. And there's like a, it's funny because my coach at Wisconsin, I think would say it quite a bit. And it's kind of the same idea here is it's funny. Like they'll recruit you really hard. And then as soon as you get there, they make sure you know you're only on scholarship for four years. <laughs> Not to, nothing after that's guaranteed. So you, when do you feel like you finally kind of find yourself um, as college gets going and you move past some of these injuries? Was it, is there like a moment, whether it's a practice or a race that you look back on and you're like, that maybe was when I could finally breathe for the first time? Yeah, I think right at the beginning of my junior year, so cross country, um, it was actually at the end of cross country season. So it was the regional meet and it was at home in Wisconsin, which, you know, is pretty, um, that's not a common thing to have a regional meet at your, at your school. But, um, yeah, I had a real, it was definitely my best race up to that point. And, um, I remember getting off the bus and my coach like kind of just pulled me back and he was like, like, that's what I recruited you for, you know, for like, for performances like that. And that was like, that was really cool. Um, yeah. What didn't make it cool was eight days later we had NCAs and I got crushed. <laughs> but, but that was definitely where like it only, you only have to have one good performance to truly you know get that confidence back. It only it only takes one day. 
God, that had to feel awesome to like to, to have your coach say it to you like that. Yeah, no, it was great. Did, did you like uh, cross country or did you like track more? I like cross country just because it was more team, team oriented yeah. and just traveling with a smaller group of guys was always fun. So let, let's go to 2020. Um, you had competed in some indoor events. Um, you had ran, if I remember right, your, your PR in, in the 3,000 meters at the time. We all remember what happened in March of 2020. What, what do you think of first when you think back to that time as it pertains to you as an athlete and, and maybe the realization of like, oh shit, the, the races are going away because it obviously all moved incredibly fast. Yeah, I remember just like, I mean, I think at first everyone was like, Oh, this is just going to be a quick, you know, easy thing. It's no big deal. Um, but yeah, pretty quickly we, I think my coach did a really good job in that we had like a lot of time trials throughout that sp- uh, spring and summer, which kept us kind of, you know, dialed in. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm being honest, like the COVID years, this may sound terrible, but for, for our guys in the house and our, the guys in the house and the team, I think were great because, all we did was it was online school and we just ran a ton. It was a great, it was a great opportunity to get your mileage up and you know, all that walking to class, all the extra things you'd have to do that can be converted to mileage. And it was just like, we just ran a ton and then hung out, watched movies and then ran a ton. And it was just like that for six months. And then everyone ran faster coming out of it. That's fascinating. Like what a great silver lining. Cause you know, I've spoken to, to runners on the pod about 2020 and I always describe it for myself as like this fork in the road. I just gotten back into running at the beginning of 2020 and I, <laughs> I had signed up for the twin cities marathon and three days later, the world shuts down and I'm like, well, what do I do now? And, and in the past, I think an older version of me would have said, if there's not a race, I'm not going to train. Instead, I went down this other fork in the road and now I'm hosting a podcast and I'm talking to you. Um, so I, I love hearing that like you guys approach it and you're like, we can, we can make the best out of this. You have these memories that you're probably never going to forget about just hanging out with your friends, watching movies. And then you're also, because you cut out walking to class, you cut out that part and you're just doing it online. You're actually able to up the mileage. Like I just, I love it. I love hearing like a, a something positive that could come out of such an awful time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, yeah, it was definitely an awful time looking back, but it was like in the moment, it was just like, there were definitely some, definitely some positives out of it. So what, what did the, I guess, what was the communication like between athlete coaches and then like the NCAA? Because I remember, you know, it seemed like with the big sports, with the money sports that it was like, all right, well, maybe football is going to have to move. Maybe basketball is going to have to get pushed back. And we're, you know, on my radio show, we're talking about it all the time. What was that process like for, for you and your teammates as you're just trying to figure out when the hell are we going to race again? It was kind of an anxious time because our coaches like made sure that we knew that they didn't know what was going on either. And, uh, but with the time trials, it was really just focused. Like they, they did a good job with scheduling time trials. So it, it felt like a normal season. It's just, you're, you're racing your teammates instead of racing other schools. Um, but then, yeah, it, we were kind of following football, like you mentioned, because we knew that the big sports were going to lead the way in the return, you know, like it, it was going to come down to money. So and that's what it did. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. Did, did you, I assume you have friends around the country that ran at other colleges. W- was that common, do you think? Or was that common from what you know of in terms of, you know, doing time trials and heck, even doing what some of you guys were doing, upping the mileage and just being able to to maybe run more compared to what you were doing when you had to go to classes? Yeah, I don't think it was actually that consistent throughout. Um, I think time, like in terms of racing, I don't think a ton of kids were time trialing or racing during that period. Um, I know some kids who just took like six weeks off from running. And then I know a lot of kids would go, a lot of kids took the opportunity to go up to altitude during that time since they either didn't have square head online school, um, and just basically treat it like a summer training block. So not a ton of workouts, but you're just running easy, but a lot every day. Um, so yeah, I think the time trial part was kind of specific to us. That's awesome. And so you said it a few minutes ago when you came out of it, you ran some of your best races. Uh, what, what, what did it mean to you to finally get those back? I, I, what, did you just feel like, Oh my gosh, it's finally time to do this again. Like a caged animal being let free. Yeah, it felt great. I mean, it was definitely, it took a little, a couple of rust busters to get going again. And like the whole, even just like traveling again was a big thing. Like I remember the first time we were back in the airport, it was crazy. It'd been over a year, you know? Um, 
but then i mean once you get back into it, it it was pretty quick that like everyone was back in like all right we're back to normal now what's your favorite distance to race i would say probably 10k cross country what about it that you love um just that first of all just the, the length it's the longest race i guess um but also just since it's cross country, you always kind of like end up linking up with your teammates somewhere between anywhere from like 4K to 8K. And then it comes down to, you know, you hit 8K and some guys start coming back. Um, and then it's just being cross country. There's always, you know, some sort of hills or surface to spice things up a little bit. You mentioned in the answer, you like it. And then you, you mentioned the it's the longest race earlier. You mentioned, you know, your foot speed that you broke 60 in the 400 one time and you have teammates who are doing 50 and 51s. What, what is it about the longer distances that, that you have found so much success in? What, what do you think it is about you as a runner that is able to do better when the races get a little bit longer? I think it just comes down to kind of like the style of runner I am. Um, just from like a strength background, I think running that much as a, as a kid in like middle school, um, I guess just I'm more of an aerobic runner as opposed to uh, you know fast switch speed guy, um, and I think if I got my like running economy or efficiency checked, it wouldn't be great compared to a lot of those top guys. So I'm I'm dealing more with, um, I think like VO2 max would be better comparatively to other runners, but efficiency would be worse if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. When you think back to the end of your career at Wisconsin. Uh, I guess what, what memories pop up for you, especially in that post COVID time? Most of my memories are really just kind of like traveling with the guys. I mean, that's the thing you miss the most, I think. Um, yeah. Just hanging out with the guys traveling nights before races, you know, like quick team meetings in the hotel when you get a little nervous and it's just like, but it's just like, it's a great, it's a great type of nervous, you know, um, in terms of like specific performances, I think at the end of my, then in my senior year, I went out to Portland actually after the collegiate season and ran unattached in a in a 5K, and that was by far my best race um, up to that point. And that helped a lot because I knew I wanted to run another year or two in college, and it it um, it just gave me opportunity like financially wise. So what? Let's go through that process of deciding to go to Colorado. What was the what was the reason behind that? Yeah, so that race was after my, my fourth year. And then, so fifth year, I was at Wisconsin. Um, and then at the end of my fifth year, I was I wanted to stay at Wisconsin. Um, I still love Madison. I love my coaching teammates. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't have my scholarship anymore. Um, and my coach was kind of trying to make it work for me. But at the end of the day, it just didn't work out financially. So I entered the transfer portal. Um, and then you kind of just start getting emails from coaches and it's kind of just like the whole recruitment process all over again. And so I actually took three more visits as a, as a grad transfer. And that was to Wake Forest, um, Wake Forest, Colorado and Gonzaga. And then I just decided to come out to Boulder. Yeah. What, what's the difference between um, the recruitment process as someone in high school and then the recruitment process for someone who is now an adult who I, I have to imagine that you knew what you were looking for in a much better way than you did in high school. What, what were the big differences for you? Yeah, hundred percent. So it's definitely even more training you're looking at. you like, I think it's more of a running decision as a grad transfer. Like you just want to run fast at that <laughs> point. Um, and then number two, I, I did want to be surrounded by other older, older guys, um, guys similar to my age. So actually Colorado had, um, I think out of our top five last year, four, yeah, four of us were sixth year or seventh year grad transfers. Oh, wow. Because of the extra eligibility because of COVID, right? Yep. Yep. So what, what was it about Colorado then that, that had you choosing them over Wake and and Gonzaga? It's just some of the things that you mentioned that they, they presented some of the best opportunities that they had the older rosters compared to those other schools. Yeah. I'd say really the older roster and training. Um, Yeah a very strength-based program. I mean, they were kind of the first to do the hard long run. Um, Coach Wetmore obviously has been known for a long time in the running world. And then, I mean, just the mountains and being in Boulder is great. It was a place where I was like, I knew I was only here for a year and I didn't really want to make a huge move again. So I kind of wanted to go somewhere where I could stay after college. And yeah, Boulder was the place. I assume that you've read uh, Running with the Buffaloes? 
I've actually never read it. No, no way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask like, what's cause, I mean, you can answer the question of what's it like to, to run for Mark Wetmore, but you know, obviously such an in, integral character to that book and Adam Goucher and all those guys. What, what, what is it like to run with him? He, I, I read that and you know, I think we all have regrets, right? I always talk about on the pod that I wish I would have applied myself more in running back in high school because you know, I was pretty, I was decently talented and I love it a lot more now. And I'm in my mid thirties versus then when I was 16 and 17 and not to, that my coaches were bad by any means, but man, Wetmore just seems like a badass and someone that would be a lot of fun to run for. Yeah, he's, I mean, he is all business. He's a, he's a pretty intense guy, but he is very, I think like very methodical and very like science-based um, to a certain extent. But he, I mean, he kind of, yeah, he's, he's an interesting character for sure. I mean, he's not a guy of a ton of words. Um, but he, he definitely thinks about running, you know, 24 seven, every decision is about running and he, he's definitely a cool, cool coach to get a train under because, um, just of, you know, his success in in the NCAA system. And then it's interesting because I think he does a lot of comparing the previous years and that he, he has a book of like all of his workouts results of like every single day for, I don't know how many years. Crazy. Yeah. And I think he goes back actually quite a bit and, you know, we'll look at patterns and try to figure out, you know, what, what combination of workouts before this race was, had a good outcome, what combination had a bad outcome, that type of thing. What did a typical week look like? And I, I, maybe that's a hard question to answer, but like a, maybe a, tr- a traditional couple of weeks of, of running look like in terms of the balance between the easy mileage, some of the workouts that you were doing in the long run. What, what, what did that look like? Yeah, so we do um, at Colorado Wednesday, Friday workouts. Uh, Wednesday workouts would be more strength-based, maybe like a fart lick or um, just like a long or a harder medium long run. Friday would be more of the fast track stuff or shorter reps, maybe K repeats if it's on the longer end. Um, Sunday was a hard quality long run. And then uh, Monday, Thursday, Saturday were our easy days. And then Tuesday was kind of a hybrid easy day in that it was a run with strides and the runs a little faster. Um, But that stuff changes kind of throughout the season. Once you start racing, it's more day by day, I'd say. I forget, is he someone who really likes singles, like you guys getting all the mileage in in one run a day, or was he a doubles guy? So he was known for singles. Um, he had no issue with any of us doubling this year. I don't know if that's changed or if that was just the group he had, but um, I think he would definitely prefer only singles and mileage in singles um, if he had it like his way with every athlete. What, what do you like doing more? I like doubles. Just Yeah. It's just, I think it's easier on my body and it's my, I feel better the next day as opposed to just like, I can't, I can't run 13, 14 easy miles on my easy days. You know, I'd rather go like nine, five, eight, five, something like that. So I have to imagine you feel like you made just like the the best decision choosing Colorado, going to Boulder since you're still there now. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I wish, I wish the spring didn't go quite as it did with the injury, but I mean, Boulder's obviously just a cool place to be with not just running, but then like cycling now and triathletes. It's kind of just like a, there's so many like professional groups out here and it's cool when you're just out on an easy day and you maybe see like an, an on athlete or a, a boss group athlete or, you know, one of the top triathletes in the country. It's just like, it's, it's pretty easy motivation to be surrounded by people like that, like every day. Yeah, the the guest that I had on the first episode is named Jonathan Levitt, and he hosts a podcast called For the Long Run, and he lives out in Boulder. And he talks about that every now and then, about you, you go for a run, and you're passing pros all the time. You're passing great collegiate athletes all the time. And I I, I wonder you know, how I would do in something like that if it, it – I assume it makes you super competitive. You're surrounded by all of these you know awesome athletes. It just it – ha- it seems like a runner's paradise is what it seems like. Yeah, it's great. And then, I mean, you have all like the soft surface trails. Like, um, have you been a bowler before? I have. I, I went to the, the Nebraska Colorado game back in 2019. I'm actually, I'm actually going to Colorado next week to get married and we're going to go get tattoos in Boulder. And so I'm, I would love, we're going to be downtown Denver. I'd love to get to Boulder and go for a run though. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's like, even just like the, like the paths through neighborhoods, like everything connects out here. Like there's always a way to get from like point A to point B. Um, 
And then the, the really interesting, interesting thing about Boulder is, you know, um, you go east, it's flat, 5,000 feet. You can get the flattest long run you can find. Or you can drive 20 minutes west and you're up at 8,000 feet with hills, um, which is like pretty when you look at like other spots, especially in the U.S. That's a pretty like unique thing in that you can really train both ways whenever you want. For sure. So we started the conversation by talking about you biking. Um, when did when did that enter the fray for you? Um, you know, you, obviously the injuries, was it just like, had you owned a bike like this or was it something that has become kind of recent and like having one and doing some of these rides? Yeah, it was, it's very recent. So I just, I borrowed a bike from my roommate actually. And that's kind of how I got into it. It's just a gravel bike. Um, but it was a really nice gravel bike and I started doing climbs out here and then I was doing good on like the Strava segments. And then I was like, well, I'm going to invest in a, in a proper road bike. So it was actually my roommate's dad who had, loaned me a road bike. Um, and then I just started doing that, started training. I did my first race a couple of weeks ago and, um, I'm actually biking up, uh, Pike's peak tomorrow morning for a race too. So that'll be my oh, second race. Awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned Strava. Um, I, I, for my day job, I spoke with Chris Gannon, who is the head coach of the, uh, Creighton cross country team recently. And I asked him at the end of the interview, like, Hey, what are your thoughts on Strava? And I figured he was going to answer the way in which he didn't. He was like, I hate it. And then he kind of gave me like a minute or two on why he dislikes it. You are very new to Strava. Is that, is that something because of, you know, in college, your coaches didn't want you to do it. Um, and, and I guess why the decision to get on it? Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's funny. Cause Strava is like a pretty like controversial thing. I think. <laughs> um, in terms of running, I never had it just cause I didn't want to be comparing workouts to other people's workouts. I didn't want to be going to bed thinking like, Oh, I should have done one more rep today. That just make me a worse runner. Um, coaches definitely did not like it either at Wisconsin and Colorado. Once I started biking, I didn't use it as much for training as I did for just like literal uh, segments because it's actually big in cycling for like getting a contract. If you can get oh. like if you get enough top climbing segments, like guys have gotten picked up over the years just based off like Strava performances. Very which cool. Would, which would never happen in running, obviously, but in um, yeah, in biking, it's 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 actually a pretty big deal. Interesting. That is absolutely fascinating. Cause I was wondering, you know, when you first started mentioning it, I was just thinking, Oh, he's a competitor. He ran in college. Of course he's wanting to do really well in these segments. And I imagine that that's playing a part in it, but uh, essentially it can be used kind of like a recruitment tool that makes some sense too. Yep. Yeah. And then you get, so you kind of get like this power meter attached to your bike. Um, and it'll show your Watts that you pull, you know, on these segments and so it's really important because that'll upload directly to Strava. But so basically like when it comes down to cycling, it's just how much Watts you pull for climbing it for flats. It's like more absolute Watts, but for climbing, it's how many Watts can you pull per kilogram weight? Um, so you get this, this data uploaded and then you can kind of just see like, um, say I'm, you know, 66 kilograms and I pull 330 Watts for 30 minutes. That's five Watts a kilogram that then can be compared to other people. So then it's not like, Oh, he just has a faster bike than me. He has this, then you're ah. just, you're, you can, you can compare it between, you know, bikes and not just time because a guy may have a worse bike than you in a slower time, but actually be more powerful given his weight. And so that's where it comes down to just numbers a lot. And it's, but then you have guys guessing based on times, like, and their Watts. Oh, how much does this guy weigh? <laughs> and it huh. kind of, it's the other way and everyone's that's why it's kind of weird but people are kind of secret about watts out here um unless it is like a strava segment they don't like passing around their data much <laughs> just like a biking thing i guess interesting so is this something that like do you feel like you're about to go down this path in your life where you're you're chasing stuff with the bike or or is this just something as you kind of get past the injuries no i think i started like chasing it a little bit um i definitely want to see how far i can go I, um, like right now I'm just focused on climbs just cause it's more aerobic and it's more, you know, just Watts and, and weight. But, um, the goal is to get more comfortable in, in like group riding and flat riding and tactics because, um, cycling is just like a way more tactical sport than running in that, you know, when you're, when you're sitting on someone's wheel, you're pulling 60% of the Watts that they are. So you can, 
you can beat guys who are way better than you. And you can also get beat by guys who are way like less talented riders than you just based off tactics as opposed to, you know, when you're only running up to 13, 14 miles an hour, sitting behind someone really isn't a huge deal. But on a bike, when you're going 25, 30, you know, the, the draft is huge. Yeah. I, I, I am scared shitless of, of like getting into biking. I don't think I ever will. Um, like to, to the way in which you are, I, uh, when I was in Colorado a couple of months ago for a bachelor party, we went up to where Buffalo Bill's gravesite is. And I wish I could tell you like without having to Google it, but it, I, we had to go up into the mountains and we're driving up there. At Lookout mountain is where it is. And okay. so, so we're driving up there and there are bike riders that are going up and going down. And I'm just like, I mean, even just driving the vehicle, it's like, well, this is pretty interesting. And then I think of those riders and I, I imagine that you're doing this type of stuff where you're going up hills, that steeper mountains like that. Like, do, are you doing that type of stuff? Yeah, that's actually funny. You say that lookout mountain was probably the first mountain I climbed up on my bike. And it's also arguably the most competitive Strava segment <laughs> in the country in terms of cycling. Really? Yeah. So it's, Oh, I, I want to say the record's like 17 minutes up that thing. Um, it's right. You're talking the one riding Golan, right? Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, and people say that's one of the most beautiful descents. I've never actually got biked down that way. I go down the other side through Morrison, but, um, yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a, like crazy at descending yet. I'm still, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty scared on the bike still. Um, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable yet. But everyone's like, uh, you'll you'll break your collarbone eventually. It's just part of the sport. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound great. But um, no, it's funny because like being a runner my whole life, you always feel like, you know, you're kind of like crazier than other people. But being in the cycling world, like looking back as a runner, I feel like I was like cyclists are even they're way more crazy than runners, in my opinion. Yeah, they're nuts. I, my uh, when this episode drops, I'll be married. So my, my now wife will be listening and she'll she'll, she'll say, hell no, you are not allowed to do this. She, she doesn't want me to do ultra marathon. So I can't imagine if I was like, honey, don't worry, I'm going to break my collarbone, but it's a part of the gig. It's not a big <laughs> deal. Everybody does it. Wow. That sounds uh, absolutely frightening. Um, so you, you've, you've gotten into the bike. Um, I imagine that you are asked all the time and I'm going to do the question now too. Uh, hey, when are you going to run a marathon? Like you're, you know, you're super talented. You've run in college before. Is that something that, that you think about often? Is that something that is well off into the future? And I wonder if your answer has changed now today versus if I would have asked you this like a year or two ago before you got into the biking, where you would have been mentally in that regard. Yeah, it, it's definitely like, a, I think I still will at some point, but it's definitely changed a ton just in the past like six weeks. Um, <laughs> my original plan was after graduating, you know, just focus on the marathon. But now with biking, I'm kind of, I'm just going to see where biking goes and I'd say if cycling probably doesn't work out, I'll probably make my way back into training for the marathon eventually. Um, but just with my injury history, like my fear has always been like, if I'm like 12 or 16 weeks into like an 18 week week marathon buildup and I get a stress fracture, like that's just going to be a terrible feeling. So I'd have to be like pretty confident and that I can make it through a whole buildup, I think to really like invest in, in a marathon. What type of mileage would, would you want to run if you're training for a marathon in terms of weekly? I don't think I'd go above 85 personally. Like if I could do, if I could do, if say I didn't have stress fractures, I'd go 120. I think that'd be perfect, but I'd do 85 and then probably another four or five hours a week cross training. So is that what you, have you found that mileage, that number of mileage to be your sweet spot? Yep. Yeah. 85 kind of was ended up being wherever I went over, I would break. And if I stayed just under, I was usually pretty good. Interesting. I, is, I have to imagine there's science behind that. And it's always fascinating to me how you can talk to some people and they're, you know, they're running well over that. They're running well over a hundred. And you talk to some, like, I know one guy he, uh, locally, he's pretty good. And I think he only runs about 50 miles, you know, and his body just can't handle anything more than that. So I, I wonder what that is. Yeah, I'm not for sure. I mean, it's so individual, but it is, it is interesting that like some guys, I mean, we got guys on the team here at CU who will run 120 miles a week and never get injured. And then guys who, can't get above 40. It's just, it's a weird, weird thing. Let me ask you a super nerdy question as we're winding down. Um, Cause you know, you'll talk to like, so one of my brothers, he dated uh, someone in college and she was going to, to school for music. And she was someone who, this is going to be such a long explanation. I don't even know if I want to do it anymore. <laughs> Basically it's this, like when I have a workout and it's like, you know, 
four by or five by 1000 meters. I am still thinking about it in the standpoint of like a mile. And it's like, it is X. It's what is that? 0.62 of a mile. Do you, when you think of running, do you think about it? Like, are you breaking it up into those terms or are you, are you able to just like kind of, these are kilometers, these are miles. I don't even know if this is a good question or not. (laughs) No, I, uh, I, I get what you're saying. I think it's, it's definitely like a kilometer versus a mile. If I'm doing like, I guess, um, like if it's five by mile or eight by one K to me, that's definitely two very different workouts. Yeah. Um, but then it also comes down to like huge on the rest. Cause I've always been someone who has always thought about like, should I be going a little slower with less rest or faster with more rest, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, in terms, I think, I think I think about it more in terms of like the time I'm running for, like if it's K's, you know, maybe like three minute reps or if it's miles, maybe like five minute reps and that type of thing. Yeah. I think, I don't know why I, I was thinking uh, about it recently when I was just looking at some college athletes like race and it was like an 8K and I was like, that's a weird distance. And I was like, Josh, it's only weird to you because when you think of kilometers, I break them up into a 5K or a 10K, you know, and I, and so anything in between or lower than those numbers, I'm like, well, that's, I don't know what a 4K or a, or a, you know, an 8K would be like, just because those are, those races don't really happen, obviously in high school a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense for sure. <laughs> Sorry. That, that, that might be the worst question that I've ever asked <laughs> on the podcast. So I apologize to the listeners. Um, let, let's let, I'll ask now my favorite questions to ask every single guest. What's your favorite part about running? Probably just like the, like uh progress you can see just from you know training harder that was the first cool thing to me just like it's so evident in that if you are really you know there's there's definitely some things in life where if you put more work in you don't always see the results but running is one of those things where up to a certain point at least from where you start to where you are six months later if you really stick to a a plan like it just shows just like the body can adapt so quickly and i just think that's super cool that's a great answer. I love that answer. Um, I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something. It could just be a feeling. Seth Hirsch, what are you chasing? Yeah, honestly, just like a professional cycling contract. Like right now, I just want to try to get someone uh, to support me for a year and and bike. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I just I start a job on Monday that I'm excited for. Um just in real estate, which is what I went to school for. But the dream is to at some point build a bike or, or possibly do a triathlon somewhere down the line, something like that. Seth Hirsch, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks again to Seth Hirsch for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me, including my weekly newsletter, as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Boston Marathon. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.